Hey guys, welcome to FTK Q&A session episode six. Uh, I'm your host, Joel, and I'm joined today by Dylan Vazari. Thanks for having me, Joel. It's good to be in the studio. <laughs> the studio this time is uh, Dylan's house in Box Hill. It's the ever-evolving FTK studio. Um, so, Dylan, run us through... We, we, we've, we've had so many... Um, strength and conditioning questions each week. We just get so many of them um, to Brett and I. And obviously we are not experts at strength and conditioning. So we thought it would be a great idea to have somebody on who is an expert and you obviously are that person. Um, run us through, for the, for the listeners that don't know, Dylan and I have been super close mates since what? How long ago? We played footy with primary each other. Pretty, pretty much primary school. We went to the same high school, always been sort of best mates. And you were my strength conditioning coach, what, probably four or five years ago? Yep. For about three years, training out of Studio Kinetic. Correct. Yep. Um, who's our other friend, as a school friend, owns a gym out there, Mitchum. Um, but yeah, so you, you studied exercise science, was it? Yep. Yep. Exercise and sports science at Vic Uni. Yep. Um, what else have you done? And then, yeah, so I finished that in 2018 and then since then I've completed my level two strength and conditioning coach um, accreditation. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, currently sort of just works my way up and um, high performance manager at the Box Hill Hawks and okay. then do some um, stuff privately as well with yep. athletes. Yeah. So your aspira- being at Box Hill Hawks, your, I'm assuming your aspirations are to be like high performance manager of an AFL team. Yeah, something along those lines, just working in professional sport first and foremost, Yeah, um, which I'm sort of doing at the moment, which is great. Um, but yeah, we'll see where that takes me. Okay, cool. Exciting. Well, we have a, a bunch of questions. Um, thankfully, 90% of them are all serious um, because you and I have the most stupid sense of humor and I'm surprised we, we, can, <laughs> we, have, to, we have to put on a brave face to try and get through this as serious as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan was uh, <laughs> make, couldn't stop laughing. It took us about five times to intro this because we kept, we kept laughing. He went and blew his, blew his nose before we started and I said, oh, thank God you got that out. I don't want you sniffling on there <laughs> during the recording and, and Dylan goes, mate, if it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't have, <laughs> I wouldn't have blown that nose until... 10th of June. <laughs> <laughs> you dickhead. Um, so, all right, we've got heaps of questions. Let's just kick it off. Yep. I'm just going to read them out to you and you're going to do your best to answer them. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, we thought, we Brett and I spoke about who would talk, you know, who would ask them um, and we thought, you know, Brett's got the fucking body of a daddy long legs and doesn't, <laughs> and doesn't do any strength conditioning. So Brett said to me, he goes, well, look, Joel, you've got like quite a lot of muscle on you. Um, I think it's more appropriate if you ask Dylan the questions. And I said, no worries, mate. I have heard Brett hasn't touched a weight in his life. <laughs> but he does do his Arvo runs in the Arvo, so that's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kicking us off, Matt Bill 110 asks, best exercises for runners that can be done at home with minimal equipment? Yeah, this is probably um, very, a common one, especially um, post-COVID where no one had access to equipment um, and we're doing a lot of stuff from home. Um, I think the, the most effective strategy with, with minimal equipment um, and doing it from home is to have like a single leg emphasis, which I would have um, regardless um, with runners specifically because you spend most of your time on one leg um, when you run. So um, from a specificity point of view, I sort of like that. And if you don't have any load 
at home is in weights or bands or anything like that, then completing exercises on one leg is just a good way to increase that load. Yeah. Being on one leg rather than two. Um, and then from there, just thinking of movement patterns. So single leg squat variations. Um, and like, so step ups, um, single leg squats, sit to stands on one leg, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then um, hinge variations. So arabesque, single leg deadlifts. And then your bridge variations as well. So that's glute bridge, anything lying on your on your back yeah. and lifting your hips up. Um, and again, doing single leg variations of that is a good way to increase the load and then lengthening the lever as well. So what I mean by that is um, if you have a bent leg, you're going to recruit a little bit more glutes. And then if you have a straight leg on those bridge variations, it turns into more of a hamstring um, specific exercise. Okay. Um, so there, there are a few ways that you can you can manipulate that. Yeah. The, uh, just as you're talking then, I'm thinking, fuck, you're saying so many different exercises. This is going to be a big job for Brett and I when the inbox starts going, oh, what's an arabesque? And we're going to be sending out videos. And like, oh, I, I have a video exercise library of myself doing a lot of exercises. So if you do, okay. I can send them through. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, yep. your your Inst- Instagram, I should have said this at the start of the episode, is performance. What is it? Dylan Vazari performance. What's your um, performance coach Vazari? Performance think. coaching Vazari. Yep. Whatever. You'll, you'll find it. Type in Dylan Vazari or performance Vazari. And um, DM him, and that way yep. you can do all the work. Yes, stops fine. Stops Brett. Happy Brett to help out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, great. Moving on. Uh, John Coleman underscore says, "I have been battling calf pain, particularly after faster sessions. Best exercises?" Question mark. Yeah, so I think with these sort of exercises where it's pain orientated, could be a little bit out of my scope. Mm. Um, I'm not a physio, um, and there's always needs to be a little bit more context to those sort of questions. I'm not sure how that calf pain has developed over time or where it's come from. Um, It's very hard for you to (laughs) sort of answer them based on just one tiny little sentence. It's like you don't know if he's... Yeah, Yeah, is is that um, soft tissue? Is that bone related? Yeah. Um, Is it just pure overload? Um, I think if it's a continual thing that you're um, getting all the time, then it's maybe something that you should reach out to a physio or sports doc for. Yeah. but yeah, listening to your body, maybe if it's, what was the end of the question? Was it during sprints? Um, during... Particularly after faster sessions. Yeah, so I'm assuming fun. probably track. He's doing track yep. sessions. That seems to be the thing that affects most people's calves. Yeah, yeah. So the surface as well. So maybe just considering taking a bit of a deload, um, reducing your intensity of those sessions and maybe changing the surface that you're running on. Yeah. Um, to try and build a little bit of tolerance and making sure that you're pulling up well from those sessions. And then if you are, um, sort of progress that over time. Yeah. It is it is funny having to answer these without like zero context. Like imagine we yeah. find out that John dot Coleman underscore at the beginning of every track session he does like 500 single leg, leg calf <laughs> raises before every session. That could be a warm-up. contributing to your pain. Yeah, it's like yeah. he just read it online somewhere. This is what he should be doing. Yeah. But yeah, listening to your body's a big one. Training through pain, there's um, – yeah, you can get – you just need to understand – how much pain you, you are training through and if it's a pain that you shouldn't or, sh- or should be. Yeah. Um, so it's understanding your body in that sense, which I think takes time with age as well as you learn your body a little bit more. Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, we have uh, Benos48 said, how much pain is safe to push through when recovering from a stressy? Yeah, again, these injury-related runs are probably a little bit out of my scope. 
Um, so go off the advice of out of um, your scope. What was the point in even having you here, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine just every single question from here on in is just you going uh, <laughs> out, out, of my, out, of, out of my scope. Um, Move on. My initial advice would be, um, yeah, as as tolerated. So I don't think you really want to be training through like. Um, anything above a 7 out of 10 pain or even like a 6 out of 10 pain with the stressy. Ideally, you've got zero pain. So you've um, actually allowed that bone to heal over a period of time, however long that's been advised for. Um, but yeah, I'd, you'd probably want to say th- 3 out of 10 and below, I would have yeah. thought. Because yeah. yeah, if you continue to sort of load that up and especially if it's sort of like a progressive load, then those spikes in load have been shown to... Um, increase your risk especially if there's something already there yeah um then i'd be avoiding that and trying to be running pain-free almost with those sorts of injuries it's really yeah it's interesting especially uh, coming from for me i know coming back from a stressy it's like you know pain is so interesting and it's really difficult gets Mm. inside your head and it's like you know you can i've returned from stressies where i don't feel anything and then after four weeks i start feeling pain in the area and it's like it's just phantom pain like it just sort of mm. but it comes on at a weird time and then you sort of like push through it and then you just never feel it again yeah it's I, interesting I, yeah it's interesting i remember when i discussing with this you a while ago because i've had i've had a couple of stress um stress fractures in my legs as well um and yeah that phantom pain is a real thing yeah you're sort of like overplayed in your head yeah and then you, you're almost looking for the pain yeah that and also, isn't it true that the neural, it's like the neural pathways are more sensitive because they've been so used to sending the pain yeah. signal yeah. that then it's like there's no action, there's no cause of the pain signal, but the signal is still being sent to your brain anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's understanding that, learning and learning your body in that sense as well, for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, Kim's underscore way, that's one of my athletes, um, has asked, would you recommend plyometric exercises for endurance runners? Now, that's an interesting question because we had Peter Bowl on um, a few episodes ago as our, as our guest host. You did listen yep. to that. I'm glad. Um, and he, we were just like completely shocked. Well, we weren't shocked because we would have expected how much gym he does and how much plyometrics he does, but it's like it was still just a crazy amount Like because yep. he's obviously not running the amount of Ks we do. Yep. So it's obvious that you know an 800 runner, even a 1500 runner should be doing that explosive sort of you know plyometric stuff. But yep. yeah, it is interesting. Like what, yeah, what do you think for like an endurance? I'm just, when she says endurance, I'm thinking, you know, she's thinking like road running, 10K, 10K half plus. and marathon on the, on the road. Yeah, I, I think it definitely still has value um, and it's just about finding the right balance between – and it's very much dependent. Like Peter Bowl could get away with more because he's probably he's not doing as much mileage as what mm. the like endurance marathon runners are. Yeah. Like what was his training week? He was like, was it around forty or yeah. something? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Whereas so forty, Brett, well, hundred, hundred eighty, yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, that the context there is really important. Um, so then it's just about finding the right balance. Like apply, like the amount of ground contacts that an endurance runner over a hundred how many Ks you do yeah. a week is like that running is a plyometric activity. Um, so that's just so much load going through your body. So you, I, it definitely has value doing plyometrics, but it's just how much you do. You want to do like a minimal effective dose. So as as little as you can do with like as much benefit yeah. as possible. If you do too much, especially with the higher end like intensive plyometrics, they're quite um, – they're really damaging to the joints and okay. tissues. Yeah. Um, so 
that in conjunction with the with high mileage and the amount of like Ks that an endurance runner would be doing across a week, you just want to get that balance right. Yeah. Um, so it definitely definitely has a place, and I've been using it with some of my runners currently. Um, but yeah, no more than you'd probably only do it once, max twice a week, and it only have to be like one to two exercise, three sets of like five to six reps, okay. max, and yeah. just make it really quality and put a big emphasis on it um, at the start of your session when you're fresh. What would an example um, exercise be of that? It doesn't have to be anything like overly complicated. Yeah. Like, like what do you, for example, what did you give your, what have you been giving your running just, athletes? Just basic like jump squats, yeah. squat, like counter movement jumps or a squat jumps, depending on what um, you're looking at uh, and what you're trying to get out of the exercise. But like a squat jump on the spot. So jump up as high as you can, land, yep. reset and repeat. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's an example. And then you can have other variations where you're focusing more on like ankle stiffness and reactivity of your Achilles. Um, So that's really important for ground contact times as well, which has high correlation to increased running economy and speed virtually. Okay. Um, So yeah, a lot of the stuff that I saw Peter Boll doing was looking at both ends of the spectrum there as well. Um, So there's different types of plyometrics and there's a reason why you do one or the other. Okay. There you go. Um, we have Sam. Rig asks for the best strategy for Achilles tendonitis and overall calf strength, and he says in brackets holds versus raises. So I'm assuming he means like you know calf raises or yep. iso or <coughs> holding the calf isos you know underweight yep. for for Achilles tendonitis. I know me, I've had insertional Achilles insertional tendon. Um, tendonitis which yep. is that like pain at the back of the heel mm. i'm sure there's going to be a lot of listeners that have had that before and yeah i pretty much got rid of that through a combination of isos and you know the slow heavy weighted yep. calf raises yeah yeah i wouldn't pick one over the other i think okay yeah that's like a they both have their place you want both yeah yeah yep. attack both um isometrics are really good they've been proven to like reduce pain um for tendon injuries and um, they also don't make you sore, so you can do them daily mm. with with minimal soreness. It like, is so interesting, ISOs. Why don't yeah. they make you sore? Just because it's the it's not lengthening and shorting. It's just in one position. It's just okay. a static hold. Uh-huh. Um, usually, the eccentric phase of a of an exercise is what makes you sore. Yeah. Um, so if you, we can touch on that later in terms of reducing like soreness after sessions. Yeah. But that's where it'll get you sore. Whereas an isometric hold, you're just holding it in one position. Yep. And you just don't get sore from it. So you can do that daily and you can load that up over a period of time. And then, um, yeah, the three range stuff. So you do straight leg and bent leg, so seated and standing. Yeah. Um, and just attack both. But with the. Is that to target the two? That's like one targets soleus and the other tar- yeah, straight, targets gastroc? Yeah. Yeah. Straight legs, gastroc, seated soleus. Um, so you're attacking both sort of calf muscles there. Um, and then, yeah, you probably only need to do that one to two times a week with yeah. load and through range. And then the ISOs, yeah, you can do almost daily. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good. A good follow-up question. Scott McClung underscore here asks, and this I reckon this one's going to be out of your scope again, um, but he <laughs> says, will calf exercises help the fibula recover from a stress fracture? And I know that there's like been some, you know, more recent, studies or I'm not even sure if they're recent but it's like how people say the bones do like load while they're healing yeah um but I suppose do you know of like at what point you know if say you've a stress fracture you've just imagine you've got a um a fibula or even you know tibia stress fracture 
it's like I would say eight eight weeks recovery time. Like I wonder at what point the sports doc would tell you to sort of start loading it up, not in an impact way, mm. but just like you know seated calf raises. Yeah, or, do you know? Yeah, that? it depends on the severity of it. Yeah, because um, initially you do want that bone to heal, but it's definitely part of the rehab process, and it would a hundred percent be beneficial. Yeah, for that injury, but it's just when you implement it. Yeah. Um, and you're you know, not going to have a three centimeter crack in your fibula, and yeah. then you're at the gym the next day doing calf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you need to let the bone the bone heal, and whether like if the severity is that you're in a moon boot, well, you're not doing calf raises then. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I th- it, it definitely has a place. It's just it's just when you do it. Um, so yeah, 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 great. Um, here we have yeah two people have pretty much asked the same question. Sam Friend, another one of my athletes, says, "What are the best pre-run exercises?" And Jacob Gower says, "What are the most effective exercises to switch on the legs before a run to reduce injury?" So yeah, same sort of thing there. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think this just comes down to like a good warm up, really, doesn't it? Um, so I always start with like mobility, some ground based mobility drills. Um, so that's sort of looking at, um, lower back, glutes, hamstrings yep. and sort of not static stretching, but taking them through range. So actually moving your joints through range, which will then, um, lengthen the muscles as well. Yeah. Um, and I've got some, some sequences on my Instagram that we can, that we can put up as well yep. for people to refer to. Um, and then, yeah, it's just some, doesn't have to be anything overly fancy. Like there's no perfect recipe to find what, what, works best for you in terms of exercise selection but typically you'd look at um the glutes is a, is a big one so crab walks glute yeah. bridges um there's plenty of variations you can do with bands um to get them firing up and the aim would be yeah be to do you're doing this before you or either if you're going out for an aerobic run you do it before or you're doing it before your warm-up for the track like a track yeah. session yeah Hundred percent. So it's like a pre warm up, warm up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then once you've gone through that sequence, like you can also target hip flexors, calves, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, and then drilling. So just doing like basic run drills um, and like dynamic movements. So even before you do your your run drills, you might do some like standing dynamic movements through movement. So like hammy scoops or neural hammies, um, walking lunges with the rotation, okay. arabesques, yeah. stuff that take you through range. Um, they're really good. And then and then run drills, yeah, yeah. which mm-hmm. I'm sure most runners are across. Yeah. Um, and they're probably a little bit different for endurance runners than they are for sprinters. Yeah. Um, yeah, just as long as the listeners aren't going to Birdie Bob's Instagram page to look at his <laughs> run drills. Well, I haven't seen that yet, actually. He's, oh, he's the most cooked bloke. Um <laughs> All right, we've been a bit serious here for a while. So Thomas Hart Six says, "How can I not be a soft cock when races get hard?" <laughs> uh, out of my scope, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I, have to, I can give you a contact for a psychologist, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I underscore am underscore r underscore bean <laughs> asks. I have a hamstring slash hip that's consistently tight on the left side. Any tips? Yeah, interesting. That would be um, one, an interesting one to do a like, thorough assessment on to see why that's occurring. Yeah. Um, so that's so funny. That's coming from like your obviously educated answer. Like if, that, if I got asked that, I'd be like, well, stretch the fucker. <laughs> yeah. You know, stretch the – if it's just tight on one side, why aren't you stretching it? But yeah. it's like, well, you should be I've, – I've, And I bet you that person has been stretching it and it hasn't like – that's your like if you have a tight calf, yeah. you start stretching the calf, and 
the yeah the hamstring glute area is an interesting one because there's a lot there's a lot going on above and below that area that could be contributing to that pain or that tightness. Okay. Um, so it's not necessarily the the hamstring, and this is coming without me having any information on him. Yeah. Um, but I assume he's tried that and he hasn't um, seen any improvement. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it maybe thinking outside and looking at um, his ankle mobility, potentially his hip mobility, um, the glute as well. Yeah. Um, and then taking, so yeah, from that point of view, like mobility through the ankle and the hip potentially, and then trying to lengthen the hamstring actually not by static stretching but with load and through range. So your arabesques, RDLs, yeah, stuff like that that's actually going to, they're such great exercises for people with tight hamstrings because not only does it stretch it, but it strengthens it at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, and in that eccentric range as well, which they're the sort of exercise that will make you sore, but it's also a great corrective um, for people with tight hamstrings. Yeah. So that's something that he could consider. Yeah. yeah. Great. Fantastic. You heard it uh, here first, I underscore am underscore <laughs> R underscore bean. <laughs> um Nathaniel, it's funny how I read these out because it's just like, why can't people just have normal normal account names? Nathaniel with a three and like five L's. How critical to running is core strength and what exercises do you like to prescribe for it? Um, yeah, this is a common question, I think. Um, it definitely has a place. I don't overemphasize core training because yeah. I think you can get it in, in many ways, like um, any unilateral, which is a single limb movement, is challenging the core because yeah. the core has to withstand weight being to one side of the body and resist that that force yeah. that's been applied to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of like to get my most of my core work through integrated like movement, uh-huh. rather um, than just being like rather than just isolating the core. Gotcha. In saying that, I still see value in that, um, and I I think about that in three ways. So it's anti-rotation anti-lateral flexion and anti-extension of the spine. Okay. Um, so they're the three categories. And then, um, yeah, I try and sort of program one of them, one one of each of them throughout a week. So an example of an anti-lateral flexion for like a, a startup would be a side plank. Mm-hmm. And then an advanced version of that would be like a suitcase carry. Okay. Carrying weight to one side. Yeah. Anti-extension would be like doing dead bugs on the ground or a plank in the prone position. And then anti-rotation is like your pal-off presses, half-kneeling chops, standing chops. Oh, I fucking hate like those. <laughs> I hate those because it's like my arms are the limiting factor. You know, yeah. so I'm, I would always be doing them. Those little like, linguini arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got these linguini arms that just can't cut, whereas like my core, you know, most people – that know me know that like you know they sort of like my core is like a cement truck. It's just like just <laughs> able to withstand anything, but it's the That's arms that can't. Dead bugs for two hours per day. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! All right, um, T Sneds. This is a good friend of mine, Tash Snedden, asks, "What is your opinion on doing weights pre versus post a run?" So this is a good. Yeah, this is a, a good, good question, question because, yeah, and I, like we've had a we've had a number of people ask. Um, this sort of relates uh, asking like when is the best time to do um, gym in the week? So maybe we'll, yeah, we'll answer this one first, but then like, yeah, how you prescribe it in the week based on, you know, like I know Melbourne Track Club um, who I'm a runner with, 
Hey, I didn't know that. Fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the sort of what we do is if the sessions are Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, especially like the 1500 guys who are in the gym a lot, they do their gym on a Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday or they'll yeah. do it Tuesday, Thursday or something like that. So they're doing it on the same day that they're training hard. Like they'll train hard in the morning, yeah. then gym at night and then it means the next day is just an easy recovery day. Whereas yeah. other, you know, Peter Bowl, he was doing his like hard run workout on say like a Tuesday and then on the Wednesday he's in the gym smashing himself. Yep. yep. So yeah, it's, um, I think you've just answered the question there like um, I think it's very much – context specific and on the individual and what they prefer. Okay. Like just for an example, and this is just coincidentally a client that I had this morning um, who's a runner. Um, we had to change her work this week because I couldn't do tomorrow yeah. and today was a easy day and she was saying how much better she felt in her session whereas usually we do it after a hard session on a Thursday uh-huh. and she was like, I feel like I'm getting so much more out of the session today. Yeah. Um, but she's still got to back it up with a hard run tomorrow. Well, that's the thing. That's where it gets interesting. So, so it's like she, message, yeah. she messages you and goes, oh, wow, I just feel like I got so much out of it. And then she messages her run coach being like, why couldn't I hit the reps? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's very much on the individual what their schedule looks like. Yeah. Like are they running four times a week or are they running every day? Like that sort of stuff really plays a part. Um, and then, yeah, I think you just need to – yeah, it's very much individual. You just need to play around with it yourself Try try both um, and see what works for you. Because, yeah, I find that if you do it after your hard session, yeah. like the your strength work that, that afternoon is like it's a grind. Yes, It's definitely. a grind and you're probably not that. getting as much out of it. No, you're right. Um, if you do it on your easy day, um, you're getting a bit more out of it but it could compromise your session the next day and I think that's where um, like smart programming comes into it. Yeah. Um, like minimal effective dose as we spoke about before. Um, so doing as little as you, as you can with like the maximum benefit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, d- definitely play around with it I think. Okay. Yeah. I realise I did sort of I- I- infiltrate uh, and take over Tasha's question where we went more, I just sort of took over. But she was, yeah, originally asked, what is your opinion on doing weights pre versus post a run? So once that's oh, sort of yeah, sorted, yeah, 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 like would would you recommend, you know, if you've, if say you've, it's an easy day and you've got a 60-minute run yeah. um, but you've also got gym on that day, we, I don't think anyone is recommending to do gym before a workout. Yeah. So that's sort of out of the question. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, I was actually when – I was trying to answer this before and then I completely forgot, so I'm glad you pulled, pulled me back. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, mate. Just um, guiding you. It depends on the – if, for example, with the plyometrics that we spoke about before, Yeah. if you just had like a – and this is probably isn't all that common for runners, but if, you, if you've got like a power emphasis or a plyometric emphasis in one of your sessions throughout the week, doing that before an easy run is, is good because okay. one, you're fresh, you're going to move quicker and get more out of it yep. from a – power output point of view um, but it also can like work as a primer for the central nervous system um, and you might feel better in your longer run in the run um, that day if it's easy okay so that's good um, but yeah doing the doing a strength session afterwards um, yeah it's it it's done by many people and I'd probably recommend that from a strength point of view yeah yeah doing it afterwards okay yeah it's also the yeah um, 
Yeah, because you might. So I just the way I used to see it. I know back when I was in VIS as a triathlete, we would always be told to like go do our easy, but we would say only run like forty five minutes or something, and the yeah. strength coach would always be like, "I'll oh, go do that run first, and then come into the gym." So you're warm. Yeah. Um, and then I always found gym was easier that, but you're only running forty five minutes. You know. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a bit different. Um, if you've got, you know, you don't want to go do your fucking two hour long run and then go straight to the gym because no. you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if it's a 45, 60 minute easy run, like 45, 60 minutes is going to be hard for me no matter what pace. <laughs> but um, if it if it is an easy run, like it and depends on how the strength is, like the exercises that are being selected within the program, but you could, you definitely could do strength strength training pre, pre an easy run. Okay. You could. Yeah. 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 Great. It might make your legs feel a little bit heavier during the run, um, but you probably get more out of the strength session. Yeah. Depends where your priorities lie. Yeah. Cool. At the time. Uh, Luke underscore Nicholson has asked for a sample program. Uh, Luke, don't be so greedy. We've got, <laughs> we've got Dylan here giving out uh, a plenty of great free advice. Um, yeah. Well, if you, if you, I'm sure a lot of listeners will have their own strength conditioning coaches. Some will just be doing stuff by themselves, but, uh, we will drop Dylan's, um, Dylan's, uh, contact stuff in the episode notes. So, you know, if you are Melbourne based, um, and you do want to reach out to, to Dylan, um, you know, for strength conditioning coaching or advice or whatever, but yeah, we're not going to, he's not going to give a sample program, um, away like that. I just answered that for you. I'm like your lawyer. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, son of HUD. Oh, <laughs> here we go. He asks, how long does Dylan spend on his hair every day? <laughs> I'm looking at you right now. That looks like, I'm going to guess like 45 minutes. Not a hair out of place. <laughs> yeah, it's about 45 minutes. I have to get out 45 minutes earlier every morning, put it that way. <laughs> so while our listeners are doing their 45-minute aerobic run in the morning, you're, <laughs> you've got the new wave I, gel. I, I've, I've always blamed it on lack of time not doing my runs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing my hair and I got 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Um, Mitch Wilcox says, what has a greater benefit for runners, explosive plyometrics or heavy lifts or room for both? Definitely the latter. Yeah, room for both. Like yeah. strength, uh, building strength that facilitates power, speed and power. Yeah. So the stronger you can get like within reason for endurance runners, um, the more force you can produce and therefore the more power you can put out. So um, the strength stuff's almost like a precursor to get better at the power stuff, but they both they both have their place yeah. and should be in everyone's program. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Jeremy X, uh, again, another one of my athletes. Fuck, I coach a lot of people. Um, <laughs> are there any strength ex- exercises detrimental to running performance slash efficiency? Um. Interesting question, and again, context is key. Yeah. But if it if there's no rehab pur- purpose to doing um, like s- fluffy sort of seated knee extensions, like I- like isolation work yeah. on machines um, that are not movement based, then I-, I think in a way they could be detrimental to performance. We're talking those like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, in the gym. Yeah, if video, you're training just, like a bodybuilder, yeah. That is going to be detrimental to performance. Yeah, um, it's going to make you slower. Um, it's it's just, funny because it would make you if you're in the gym and you know you, I've even done those. I've done them in a rehab thing and I'm like looking at my VMO, it's popping out, and I'm like, fuck, I'm getting strong. Yeah, it's yeah. just like yeah. it's one of those things. It's more for looks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you're training for aesthetics, then definitely not. Like, yeah, <laughs> I run do, for aesthetics. Yeah, it's different if you're doing it for a rehab perspective. Um, 
then there's definitely value to that. But if you're just doing those sorts of exercises for no reason, it's not really going to get you very far. Um, always think of movement patterns and integrating movement that sort of resembles what you're going to do. In running. Well, I'd usually say out on the track, but in running. Yeah. 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 Okay. If you can get it as specific as possible in that sense, then that has great transfer. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, we have Michaela Young also asked, what is the worst, most useless exercise you see runners doing? That's sort of same, same yeah, thing, right? Yeah, it's that sort of stuff. It's that, that just, yeah, going into the gym and, yeah, it's like, it's like especially those like your body, the uh, like weightlifter type gyms. Yeah. yeah. I've seen some videos of people like runners on Instagram doing stuff like that and I'm just like, geez, what are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, Dylan underscore LW says, if you're new to strength, do you think it's worth replacing one of your runs a week for some strength and conditioning? Uh, yeah, I, I think that is, that could potentially be, be a good idea if that's some, like a path you want to go down um, and it's something that you're willing to sacrifice from a running point of view. That definitely wouldn't hurt because you could get more quality in your strength sessions. Yeah. And we know if you haven't got much of a strength training background, then that initial phase of like, Oh, it could be up to like three months, three to six months. But that first one or two months, you're going to see great strength improvements because you probably haven't got any because you haven't done it before. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, regardless of if you take a run out or not, you're probably going to get great results in that like initial time frame. Um, but if you've got like a really busy schedule and you're running every day, then yeah, sacrificing one run for strength would definitely be advantageous. Great. Um, BT Demers, who... Yeah, he literally writes into us every every week, which is uh, great. Uh, he says, "Number one the... fan." Say it again. Is he number one fan? I think so. Yeah, um, I've, I've just I've just given that title. So <laughs> congratulations, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Set off the balloons and the streamers. <laughs> um, that, I'm just going. <laughs> yeah, wait, going you're in. like I prepared this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> BT Demers walks out of your cupboard. <laughs> that one right there. <laughs> oh fuck. Um, what's the balance between pursuing performance gains versus injury prevention? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, they go, they go hand in hand, like any, any, um, exercise with load is in some way, shape or form going to reduce your likelihood of injury in that, in that area. So like just doing strength training without any rehab specific exercises, that is still, Making you stronger, making your making you more resilient, building tissue tolerance. It's doing all those things. Yeah. Um, so they go hand in hand, and I think um, the way a program is structured is typically you'd have your performance or your key lifts that, um, in the strength coach's mind, is performance based, and then there'll be accessories around that that are more like isolation specific that are. Um, targeted at reducing likelihood of injury or injury prevention. Um, so yeah, I think I think they both have their place and they okay. both sort of intertwine as well. Yeah. Um, James on Fam or James yeah James James Fam uh, says if you had to pick only one exercise that all distance runners should do, what would it be? <laughs> um, the king exercise would be a single leg squat. Yeah. Um, because the action of running when you're in like full stride, it's virtually is a single leg squat at like quarter range. Yeah. So if you can, if you can build strength through range, get yourself to a point where you can like complete a skater squat or variations of that. Yeah. 
Um, and there's ex- an example. I actually have a progression post of how to get to a skater squat, like on your own. Okay. So we can post that one as well. Yeah. Um, I think that is the king exercise for runners because it's so specific yeah. to the running action. Um, so, a, yeah, single leg squat and being able to do that well would okay. be would be my my main one. I think things like pistol squats and sit-to-stand squats, um, I like the skater squat more than that just because it actually um, integrates the sort of the hip and the knee together. Yep. A lot of the time you'll see with pistol squats or like seated single leg squats is they lose their lumbar spine. So they sort of round out through their lower back. Um, which isn't great for the lumbar spine, one. And two, you don't do that when you move, when you're standing up. Okay. Um, so the skater squat um, is your better option in that sense, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, we did have a question here asking your opinion on Grant Fisher's band activation drills. And it's really <laughs> annoying because I've been, while you're answering that, I've been trying to find the video. Um, but it's obviously, it's gone. So do you know who Grant Fisher it, is? It might have got back to him and he's deleted it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know who he is. Um, he's, yeah, crazy fast, insane guy. He ran like um, 26, 30 something, broke the Australian, oh, fucking hell, broke the American uh, outdoor oh, yeah. 10,000 meter record. He's like a young guy and he does these... For the listeners, at least they'll they'll um, they'll know what I'm talking about. He 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 has the he's like you know the therabands, and he's got them around his legs, and then he's got them around his arms too. Oh, and no. he's yeah, and he's doing this thing on a tr- on the track where he's it's sort of like there's resistance in every single movement, and he's like moving his arms and legs, and he's got about fifty therabands all wrapped around <laughs> him, and it looks so fucking cooked. Oh, but also, I feel like no one, everyone's too scared to comment. Um, because he's just so goddamn fast. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's... That's the issue with social media. Everyone's going to think that that... A lot of people will think that that's like... So true. Yeah. Yeah, that is that yeah. is the problem. It's like if he didn't post... Yeah, everyone's like, geez, that's how you run 2630. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm sure he'd be running 2630. You had a little ass this weekend and you got 50 little kids with 10 bands around their heads. <laughs> <laughs> the TheraBand company are just licking their lips being like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Well, Dylan, that's... Uh, yeah. That's pretty much all the questions. We had, look, sorry if you didn't get your question read out. We had a lot of people doubling up um, and I wasn't going to read out six people's names for one question. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the the listeners will be super appreciative of all your help. And um, yeah, I know for obviously our like 20 years of friendship, this is definitely the most serious conversation we've ever had. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's making me feel weird. <laughs> I need to get off. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks a lot, Dylan. Um, we'll chuck your... Yeah, as I said, chuck your information in the episode notes. So if people do want to reach out, I'm yep. sure you're going to probably have a lot of questions of people just wanting advice and stuff like that. You know, yep. maybe you know some people want want um want to yeah you take you up on some a strength conditioning program. I know that's what we just have come back from the gym today. I'm going back for the listeners that think I don't do gym. Well, <laughs> I you know haven't, and I was doing yoga, but now I'm back um, doing some strength conditioning. So yeah, thanks a lot, Dylan. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. We'll uh, hopefully have you on, yeah, on again. Uh, I reckon, yeah, maybe once a year we'll we'll get you on and see if you've uh, improved improved your knowledge. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll put it in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> see you, mate. Thank you. <laughs>